And this week, yes, we will be literally talking about giants. Um, David and Goliath. It's a, it's a classic. Um, and when we think about David and Goliath, uh, we tend to think in terms of uh, the underdog story. That's kind of how we tend to hear this. It's how it gets used in the culture. I remember in uh, 2015 when uh, the Golden State Warriors were going up against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. Um, at that time, uh, the Warriors were still underdogs. They were, uh, and, and it was almost a physically obvious kind of underdog thing. They were led by Steph Curry. Steph, uh, graduate of Davidson College, also my alma mater, so we will support him wherever he do, whatever he does in his career. And everyone here is now a Steph Curry fan. You always will be. And if you're not, you can just leave. Um, and uh, so Steph Curry, he's, he says he's 6'3", but uh, that's probably not true. He's probably 6'1", 6'2". He puts his, uh, his under armor, I think that's his shoes, on, and then he's 6'3". And he's got a really slight build. He still looks like he's 15. I think he's 33. Really, really 16. Um, and he has a slight, kind of slight build. And here he is as the MVP of, of the NBA, um, and, and he's leading this team against mighty King James. Uh, LeBron James in the prime of his career, uh, going back to Cleveland to try and win a title. And LeBron James, uh, as you know, is 6'9", 250 pounds. Uh, I'm six foot, 250 pounds. The difference between us, <laughs> the difference between us is that LeBron James has 0% body fat. It's all muscle. He's an absolute tank. Uh, the strength of Shaquille O'Neal in his prime and also, but the grace and the fluidity of Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, um, generally considered to be one of the top three players in the history of the game. And for those of you who think he's the best, look, I hate him so much that I stopped being a Lakers fan just because I can't deal with it. I can't wait till he retires. God bless you, LeBron James. Okay, so here was a David and Goliath story for the ages, right? Here's, you know, th- this is what the David and Goliath, you have little Steph versus giant LeBron, you know, and, 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 and so all of America at that time was rooting for Steph and the Warriors. And, and this, this comes from our collective memory about the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. And I'm not saying it's not a David and Goliath story. It is. There's, they, the text goes out of its way, to, and we'll see this, to point out that Goliath big, David small, uh, that's there, but that's not really, I don't think, the point of the story. I think there's something going on in this story, in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, that is actually extremely present to us, and it's not about the little guy beating the big guy. It's something that is actually really important to all of our lives right now. And so as we go through this text, I'm going to bring this out, and so we're going to see together what David and Goliath is really about and how that matters as we leave today. So let's read together. A champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was more than nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore bronze scale armor weighing 125 pounds. He had bronze plates on his shins and a bronze scimitar hung on his back. The spear shaft was as strong as the bar on a weaver's loom. Uh, this is meant to indicate that it's like it would be uh, really, really hard to bend. It's, 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 it's super, super strong, uh, strong and sturdy. And its iron head weighed 15 pounds. His shield bearer walked in front of him. Yeah, the idea here is he's got this spear. It's basically unbreakable. It's monstrous. It's huge. If he hurls it at you and he hits you, it doesn't matter where he hits you, he's going to kill you. 
going on. He stopped and shouted to the Israelite church, and you're Saul's servants, right? Here's what we can do. We'll make, this, we'll make this war easy. You select one of your men. Let him come down against me. If he can fight and kill me, hey, all my people will become your slaves. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you become our slaves and you serve us. I insult Israel's troops today. What he means is he's saying, he's saying, I don't think there's a one of you who's got the guts to do this. The Philistine continued, give me an opponent and we'll fight. When Saul and all Israel heard what he said, they were distressed, terrified. What's going on here? Uh, well, it, notice, notice who, who Goliath thinks he's fighting. Right? Who does he think he's fighting? He thinks he's fighting Saul's servants. The, Saul's the king of Israel at this time. He thinks he's fighting uh, the, the, one of Saul's people. One of the, one of the, whoever's brave enough to represent Israel and, and come at him. That's, that's who he thinks he's going after. And so he, who is he insulting? He's insulting just these, these, these small, shrimpy little Israelites. He's nine feet tall. They're like five foot three. So he's like... My daughter, Olivia, we found out um, at the end of last year and over the summer had been being bullied by a group of kids. Um, what made the bullying worse is that uh, they had started out, at least one of them, had started out as, as, as her really good friend. And we don't know how it happens, and she doesn't seem to know either, um, and maybe it's because she knows that she did something naughty, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. All I know is that she felt extremely betrayed, and... The things these kids were doing and saying to her were pretty mean. Things like, no one wants to hang out with you. No one likes you. That's pretty rough for like a, what is she, a second grader at the time. Well, I was thinking about what those kids were thinking, right? What they, they, do you know who they weren't thinking about when they did that to Olivia? Me. Okay? They... they they probably had no idea that Olivia has a dad. And if, insofar as they, assume, they, they know anything about uh, Olivia's dad, they, they think that he's probably, you know, weak and flabby, and, and he, he would never do anything. You're going after me, too. They don't realize that, that, that an insult to Olivia is an insult to me. They thought all they were dealing with was a little second grader. They had no idea... That there was a big daddy, a big, a large daddy that could crush them by sitting on them, behind her. So I told Olivia, I was like, look, honey, you got to understand something. If ever this happens, you come straight to me and I swear to you, I will stop it. Hopefully in a way that doesn't land me in prison, because that would be horrible. But I will stop it. But notice that Goliath has exactly the same mentality. He, all he thinks he's doing is he's just trying to call out, hey, give me your best. Give me, I'll fight you. I'll fight any one of you. You're Saul's servants. Come on. Get me. I'm ready. I'll take any one of you. That's not a problem. And so if, if, Saul, if, if Goliath is aware that Israel has a God, right, a daddy, as it were, if he's even aware of that, <laughs> He thinks that that God either doesn't exist or, it, or is as small as they are. That God is as small as they are. And, and I have lowercase g there because in the ancient world, uh, it would never have occurred to, to Goliath that, that there was Yahweh, the creator of the universe, 
Okay? It never would have occurred to him. that If, if anything, he would think that they had like a God of the sun or the moon or something like that. And, and even if they did, that God had nothing on him. So let's meet uh, David as he enters the story. Uh, what I, I, I've skipped over a bit here, but what basically happens is uh, David's a shepherd. He's in the field. His dad, Jesse, says, hey, you've got a bunch of brothers who are on the front line. They're hungry. I want you to go take them some food so they can fight. So what does David do? He gets up early in the morning. He left someone in charge of the flock. He loaded up uh, and left. He has a whole bunch of uh, bread and cheese, I think. Um, just as his father, Jesse, had instructed him. He reached the camp right when the army was taking up their battle formations and shouting the war cry. So if you imagine, uh, there's, it says earlier in the, in the text, there's a valley between them. And the Israelites would line up and the, the Philistines would line up. And Goliath would walk out by himself to the center of the valley. And so the, the Israelites, what they're doing is they're lining up and they're going, rah, rah, rah. And the Philistines are lining up going, rah, rah, rah. He left his things with an attendant and ran to the front line. When he arrived, he asked how his brothers were doing. Right when David was speaking with his brothers, the Philistine champion, Goliath, the, the champion from Gath, came forward from the Philistines and said the same things he had said before. He's done this for 40 days now. He comes out, he says exactly the same thing. Not a one of you is strong enough to deal with me. You're small, I'm big, whatever God you have is a joke. I love this from the text. David listened. This is the first time he's heard this. Notice that everybody else in the army has heard this 40 times. And every day when they hear it, they all break ranks and they run back. David's listening. Uh, the Gutenberg Press, I, I believe, was uh, 1440 AD. I think that's right. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the 15th century. Made it possible for the first time for the mass production of uh, stuff we could read, right? Books. And led to, over the attending, now what, 600 years or so in between, has led to mass literacy. Do you realize that you could not, like, a couple hundred years ago? A telephone is, what, 1830s, 1832, something like that. Uh, telegraph, then telephone. I think uh, the, the first radios came in, like, late 1800s, early 1900s. This is, by the way, is the very first time that someone can speak and have a whole bunch of people hear them at one time. It used to be you all had to gather and someone would yell at you, like this right here. Now, with radio, um, someone can speak and, and people hundreds of miles away can hear them. First time in, in human history. And only like 120 years ago-ish. Television uh, came just a little bit after that, 1920s, 30s. The very first time that you can send a visual message to people, it used to be you had to like, you know, write, uh, make a painting, and people would have to come and see it. That was the only way to have visual messages um, distributed. Now, visual live act of people. Uh, 1990 is the internet. That's when it was invented. Uh, 1990, oh, I forgot. 1975 was the first email. 1990 is the first is the internet, the first time that computers started talking to each other over the, over a network. 1992 is the first text message. Uh, 2004, Facebook, thank God, was invented, um, and uh, and then 2007 was uh, when the first iPhone came out. I mean, do, do we grasp 
the significance of how communication has changed literally in just the last two decades. In the last two decades, communication and messaging has changed more dramatically than in the entire history of humanity before that. We are living in an absolutely novel, crazy time. It used to be that that messaging that came to us was from a very select few people. Now, every single one of us, hundreds of thousands, millions of people, all the time. And you know what they're saying? This is especially important if you have children. Uh, For those of you who are teenagers, you're going to hang your head in shame because you know what you're doing. You know who you're listening to. If you have uh, kids and teens, um, the, the, the influencers that are impacting them, the, uh, the YouTube, the, whoever they're following on Insta, all that, uh, the TikToks that they're watching, the Snapchats that they're taking, um, the message, it, it, it starts out really pretty, right? And the message that they're getting all the time and that you're getting, whether you know it or not, all the time. This is the message that's being given to you. You need, in order to be happy, you have to look inside yourself and find out who you really are. And then whatever your authentic self is, you have to live into that. No matter who it offends, no matter, no matter what. It, in order for you to actualize yourself, to be who you really are, and to have the joy that comes with that. And then you need to live that out. And that's, and that's what's going to make you happy. It started in Aladdin when, when, when Aladdin's like, what should I do, Genie? And Genie goes, be yourself. You don't know that. You didn't, you didn't realize this, or we didn't realize I didn't realize this. But you know what's actually behind that message? What's behind that message is the same thing that Goliath said to the Israelites. You're small, and there is no God behind you. You see how that works. You're small, and there's no God behind you. See, if you were created by God, and God has an idea of who you are and a plan for you uh, to for what your life ought to look like, and a destiny for you, then it's not you looking inside that teaches you who you are. No, you instead look to God. But Goliath says, there's no God behind you. There's no God who created you. You are an accident. And the best that you can do is live in a way that makes you feel good. And you're small. Selling you this identity, selling you this uh, change, selling you this uh, new way of thinking, selling you this product, selling you these. It's, it's, I've got what you need, and if you just follow me and like me and subscribe to me, then you'll finally be somebody. Every one of us is being bombarded by this message all the time. You're small, there's no God behind you. And the best that you can do is look into yourself and try to get happy. And the Israelites believed that message. And that's why every single time when they went out and when Goliath said, hey, who's going to take me? They all ran terrified. But not David. David walked up and then David listened. He heard the message. He heard what Goliath was really saying. You're small. There's no God behind you. So just give up. Are you listening? 
Are we listening? Do we realize that these messages are being propagated over and over and over? They're being memed out. And so every day your kids and and you are scrolling through and you're seeing them again and again and again. And if you're listening, you're paying attention all the time. You're being told you're small. There's no God behind you. Well, David gets a little worked up about this. He stands up and says, don't let any of him. You can't, Saul said. You're still a boy. He's been a warrior since he was a boy. Well, whoa, whoa, David, slow, slow. Hey, hold on. I might, I might only be 15 years old or however old David is. But I kept my father's sheep. And if ever a lion or a bear came and carried off one of the flock, I'd go after it, strike it. Rescue the animal from its mouth. If it turned on me, I'd grab it at its jaw, strike it, and kill it. I'm no slouch. I got this. I've done stuff like this before. Your servants fought both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised, that, that's uh, the Jewish way of saying dirty, this dirty Philistine will be just like one of them because he has insulted the army of the living God. Do you notice that? Insulted the army of the living God. We'll go back to that in a second. We'll hold on to that. Uh, so he goes on, and David says this, The Lord, David added, who rescued me from the power of both lions and bears, will rescue me from the power of this Philistine. Paul's, Saul's like, finally, okay, you do you. Uh, may the Lord be with you. Finally, I've got somebody to do this for me. Uh, it's, it's corporate speak, um, but synergy is a, is a hot word. It's, it's, it's worth just taking a, a, sh- a short second to think about the way David thinks about his relationship with God and how that impacts his life, okay? Did you notice, um, Marilyn, next slide, synergy. Did you notice that, that David acknowledges that he does stuff, right? He's like, hey, if a bear or a lion comes, I fight it and kill it because I'm, I'm tough and I'm, and I'm not scared. I'm courageous. But then right after that, he says, and anytime a lion or bear would come get me, uh, God would, would rescue me from them. And so if you're paying attention and you're Saul, you might want to ask, well, which one is it, David? I mean, are, are you being, you know, rescued by God or are you killing these bears? Is it, what is it, both? And I think in David's mind, it probably is something like both. Synergy is where, you know, two people get together and uh, their combined power and strength is greater than what they each individually have, right? And I think this is kind of how David thinks about power coming from God. He's like, yeah, on my own, I, I probably maybe could get a few good shots in on the bear. But bears are huge, and, they're, and they have large meeting with God, in, and, and it's God's power that is, that is enabling this to happen. So it's, a, it's kind of an odd way of thinking about the way with, that we operate with God, but it's worth pondering, because there are places in Scripture where it's like, God just does it, and we have nothing to do with it. And there's also places in Scripture where it looks like people are just doing stuff, and God's kind of not involved. But David seems to think it's something to be somewhere in the middle, where he's like, he's like I'm operating, but God's empowering that. So just... That's just a way to think about oh, the way that we work with God. But, but David goes on, and this is the most important bit right here. The Philistine, got, oh yeah, so, so David, he's like, okay, first on he, he tries on Saul's armor, but it's too heavy. And you'll remember this is in contrast to Goliath, who has like hundreds of pounds of armor. And so David's like, I'm not, I don't need this. I'm just going to go out in my leather or whatever. So he goes out, he, he steps, I've been waiting for a bug to smash. So he, so the Philistine Goliath gets closer and closer to David. His shield bearers in front of him. Uh, the Philistine looked David over. He sneered at David because he was just a boy. This is extremely important. 
uh, reddish brown and good looking. Um, scripture seems to indicate that people with red hair are just naturally extremely good looking. Um, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, scholars maintain that that's what that means. I'm just kidding, it doesn't. Uh, the Philistine asked David, am I some sort of dog that you come at me with sticks? He cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said to David, I'll feed your flesh to the wild birds and the wild animals. It might be that uh, Goliath's gods are somehow connected to like the animal world. And so it might be that when, he, when he's, he's, he's saying, I'm going to sacrifice you to uh, my gods, which are birds and wild animals. Might not, but it's possible. What does David say? David tells the Philistine, you're coming against me, and you've got a big sword, a really big spear, and a scimitar, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel's army, the one you've insulted. Did you catch that? Who got insulted? Was it the Israelites? Was it Saul? No. David understands when he was listening to what Goliath said, he recognized that Goliath thinks he's insulting the Israelites, their army. What he's actually doing is he's insulting the God of angel army. Because if God has committed himself to Israel, then anyone who comes up against Israel is coming up against God. And so when Goliath says, you're nothing, you're a bug to smash, what David hears is, your God is a bug to smash. And David says, no! You don't talk about Yahweh that way. The God who gave himself to us, the God who made a solemn commitment, said, I will never quit on you. I will never give up. The God who created the heavens and the earth, who makes the sun to lift, the stars to shine, you don't talk to him that way. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down, and I'm going to cut off to the wild birds and the wild to your gods. Your gods are going to eat you when I'm done with you. And you know what? Then the whole world will know that there is a God on Israel's side. And everyone who's watching is going to know that God does not save by sword and spear. No, he owns this war And he's going to hand every single one of you over to us. Raise the hands here. Who over the last 18 months has been extremely angry at any point? This is like a Zen master. So if you're wondering how to handle that, I'll admit I've been a little bit... uh, Okay, a lot of it angry. And, 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 and there's lots of different reasons why some of us have been, have been angry, right? Some of us, uh, some of us, yeah, like, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Lisa, you need to pay attention, then you'll get mad. Uh, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. I, I don't know what uh, this person's uh, mad about, but there's been a lot of things that we've all been mad about. Some of us uh, have been mad because, um, you know, uh, who are you to tell us that we can't, can't gather in, in, at church and worship God. Others of us have been mad because we're like, hey, by gathering, uh, we're putting everyone in danger. So maybe you could just like cool it and we can all praise God at home for a little while until this thing gets past us, right? Some of us are angry. He didn't win the election. 
It's fraud. And I'm mad. Others are like, are you, how can you be so deceived? Yes, he won the election. Get over it. You're, 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 you're. No, the whole entire United States was based on me not having to wear a mask if I don't want to. Why can't you just wear a mask, get the vaccine so we can get beyond this? What? You're endangering yourselves and others. How dare you? Double vaxxed, by the way. So far, so good. I, and on that note, uh, I'm the only person I know who got the vaccine and didn't have a horribly adverse reaction. So that was good. I'm glad about that. Uh, oh, Marilyn, you all, no, it's, it's only people who are under 50, Marilyn. I know, oh, you are. Yeah, you're 35. Good. Um, yeah, okay, and Bill too. So, uh, but, but there have been a lot of adverse. And then, of course, there's been people who've gotten the COVIDs. And uh, man, those things can wreck you. Uh, we've been pretty blessed to, um, you know, we've had a few deaths, but not, um, but not any, anyone uh, young or healthy, thank, thank God. Um, man, I've been super pissed. And I know some of you have too. What have we been mad about? Isn't it interesting that all of that stuff, and I could go on. How can you not acknowledge that there is systemic racism in this country that is oppressed, especially people who are black and brown? How dare you? How can you possibly think that this is a racist country where people bled and died to end slavery? We could just, I mean, last 18 months, insane, crazy. What did David get mad about? Did he get mad because the Philistines were oppressing Israel's rights? Was he mad because uh, the Israelites were, you know, not courageous enough? Um, they, they should have worked together to defeat whatever. No, what, what really got David was someone came out and said, you're small and there's no God behind you. And David said, the hell there's not. I think um, at this time, I think that actually the stuff that's happening to divide us as a nation, I think it's mostly demonic. Um, I believe it's a work of the enemy, of Satan. I believe that Satan wants nothing more uh, than for us to be uh, angry at each other over, you know, these things, not that they're not real and important issues, I think they are, um, but I think that, that that's, that's something that, that makes the devil happy, because what that does is it, it takes our eyes off of the fact of, of the real threat, and the real threat is not trying to figure out how to stop COVID, no, the real threat is that we are being bombarded 
for the first time in human history, in a million different ways, every single day, with the Goliath's message, you're small, there's no God behind you. That's what makes the devil happy. You see, the devil, the devil doesn't care about who dies from COVID and who doesn't, who gets elected, who doesn't. That doesn't really matter. I mean, it, it matters to some extent, I'm sure. But that's not the real target. The real target, from the devil's perspective, is, is your mind and the mind of your kids. That's what he wants. And so he wants us to be really, really angry, but not about the one thing that matters the most. And that's God is big. And he's destined every single human being to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, pouring him, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, and yet gave himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, who came and he lived and he died and was raised to address the chains that bind us, the sin that we've accrued, to give us life, God's life. That's what God did. That's who God is. And, and, and the, the culture at every level is saying to you, he, he's not even, you're small and he's not there. There is such a thing as righteous rage. And we as a people should be enraged like David was because all around us they're telling us that our God isn't real. And from David's perspective, that's like coming up to the king of the universe and slapping him in the face. Last thing on your note sheets is the... Uh... <laughs> David takes scalps, literally, in defense of God's honor. Brothers and sisters, I, of course, do not advocate violence. I think that violence is uh, to be avoided whenever possible. Uh, so I'm not suggesting that anyone here charge out and find someone to beat them up in the name of Jesus. Don't do that. That's a pretty bad, like, evangelism strategy. Uh, our, our, our Catholic friends tried that. Um, <laughs> and it didn't work out great. <laughs> uh, b- b- but, but I am saying that we... All of us have an obligation to defend God's honor, to push back, to say to our kids, that influencer is wrong. You aren't small because you're redeemed and the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're not confused about your identity. You're the child of God. And God has conditioned you, created you for a destiny to be united to himself, to be conformed to the image of his son. And we've got to push back on any messaging that keeps saying those things to us, to our kids, and we've got to fight for it. Because our God is worth it. Our God is, our God is good. Our God is kind and tender. Our God powers us, is behind us, is for us, is in front of us. As we heard in the songs this morning, God is lighting the way at every point. Our God is great, and his name should not be dragged through the mud. And it's okay for us to get mad about it. And it's okay for us to fight back and say, no, that's not who God is. No, that's not how the world is. No, no, no. We serve the living God who gives himself and life to all the world.
It's kind of an odd look these days. People, uh, you know, they, Christians, oh, Christians, they're the ones that hate the gays. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's, that's kind of the, the impression that uh, the world gets, um, which is wrong, but... Um, what I would like the world to recognize about Christians, I think what David would like us of our king and saying, no, he's real. You're the ones that are going to pass away. You're the ones who are small and have no God behind you. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, you are so great and big and good. You are the one who turns the ages. You are the one who is clothed in splendor, who's mighty and good. You're the one who deserves to be praised and adored. You're the one who deserves worship. You're the one who deserves our devotion and commitment because you showed your devotion and commitment to us first, that you chose us. Through nothing we did, nothing at all that was good about us, and yet you chose us. You called us to your name. You've given us life and purpose and destiny. Done when we see him as he is. God, give us passion and desire to defend your name against all the Goliaths that would lie to us and lie to our kids. They would see our love and devotion and recognize that you're real, that you're active, and that you're not giving up. We love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, the one through whom we have our redemption and hope, we pray. Amen.